Welcome to Play Along Podcast, the podcast where we play through games. What's so funny? Hmm? What's wrong? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Jared, and today I'm here with Ben. Oh, hello. Uh, and that's it. So in today's episode, <laughs> <laughs> I'm also here with Guy. Hello. <laughs> uh, in the last episode, we went through the went through Act 3, and we touched on the... The beginning, the inner middle episode thing. What was it called? Not mm-hmm. limits and demonstrations. What was the other one called? No, the entertainment. The entertainment. Thank you, thank you. We went through the entertainment. We went through Act Three. We ended Act Three with uh, our our gang heading onto a ferry, and that ferry having a a giant mammoth on it. Mammoth. Uh, so the the in between between Act Three and Act Four, there is uh, an episode called Here and There Along the Echo. And this starts with you are, I'm assuming, in a room and you're just staring at a phone. Uh, we learned that there is a variety of different phones that you actually can get. Mm-hmm. Kai and I got just a white looking landline. Not nothing too crazy. But Ben, you had actually had a different phone. Yeah, I had to, I had a, I don't have to explain it, like a yellowy beige phone like almost and like a business guys... phone yeah it does look like a business yeah like an phone. office phone yeah like yeah. a typical office phone it's very um, like faded beige kind of color to it yeah yeah you guys had your kind of house phone with the right. with the receiver on the top and mine mm-hmm. was kind of in the body um but they apparently seem to serve the same purpose um, yeah, yeah, I think that's what we. And you get the same thing either way, so yeah. Right. You can also receive a phone that looks like it came from the 1940s. It's not rotary, but it, it's very typewriter esque mm-hmm. in black and brown. And then you can have pretty much a carbon copy of the white phone, but in pink, and it's a little more round. So it's just another standard house phone. I, I'm curious as to how it is. I wonder if it's just completely random. You know, depending on what phone or you get, or maybe choices. Yeah, I wonder if the there's game. choices that you make in the game that kind of determine the phone that you get. I mean. Like like we said, ultimately, I think you get the same thing regardless. I think more the deciding factor is if you picked up something earlier in the game, then that kind of changes a little it, bit of the process. Aids you go the aids the process a little bit. Right, right. So if you picked up the pamphlet on the board of secret tourism from in, the bureau yeah, earlier in the game, which was sitting on a table in kind of a waiting area. When you load this screen, there will be a piece of paper with a phone number written on it in the lower right-hand corner, at least in our example. Um, if you don't pick that up, that's not there, and you have to go through through some extra steps to get to the main portion of, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I'd call it dialogue, but it's really just like an automated phone system. Yeah, it's like an uh, operator this, that you have to go through section. to get to the section that you would already have gotten to if you, if you picked up that phone from so, the, or the pamphlet from the bureau. Both us and Ben uh, picked up this pamphlet, so we don't necessarily know exactly what happens if you don't, though we did just watch a walkthrough, and it seems that you go through uh, like a switchboard operator and some extra steps to get to the point in which you're speaking with the, uh, the very calming man's voice of the automated system for the Board of Secret Tourism, in which right, we call. Right. Um, and uh, this is called... Here along the echo, yeah. Here and there along the here echo, there along the echo. Which at this point we have no idea what the echo is. Correct. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. We learn very soon. We learn very is. soon uh, what, what is what that entails. Right. How did um? How much of this did you go through? Because there's a lot that you can choose. A so, lot. Yeah. Because uh, we didn't really understand what to do. Kind of just to, to fast forward and speed it up. You can go through a couple of these different you know, options, clicking different numbers to get to different categories. But ultimately, if you hang up the phone, 
that's kind of what prompts the this act to end. Uh, we pretty much went through all of the different <laughs> options that, yeah. that it gave us, not really knowing what to do. Yeah, same. I went through... Um, I learned about the rivers and yes. I learned about the uh, memorable locations. Mm. I did get a hold of two extension numbers. Oh, interesting. Um, oh, wow. If you go through certain options, he's like, oh, if you want to talk to this department, enter this extension. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you hang up and you redial. Right. And then, go on. No, I was say, it does prompt you in the beginning. Like, if you have an extension, you can type that in now. So. Yeah, I think it's nine. Yeah. Yeah, so you hit nine and then you plug in your extension, but nothing of the, nothing of it comes to it. There's very small things. Like, one of the extensions um, is, like, that you don't remember calling the number. Oh, yeah. It's like, if you don't remember <laughs> calling the number, press five. <laughs> yeah, they ask you, like, what's the first thing you remember? And that's something that does very briefly come up later on in a in a scene. Um, and one of them was like, if you find an unidentified water source, you hold your phone up to the water and it listens to the water, and then they save it for later analysis. But ultimately, they so don't strange. they don't do anything. Mm. Um, but the thing that's the takeaway is that this scene is Ben, Bob, and Emily. Hmm doing this phone call um and right. emily is the one on the phone calling people gotcha um so it's kind of following them again on this right. like we we keep checking into these characters that we've we've met along the journey and, and where they are and what they're doing getting a little more insight to their lives a little bit i don't know what specific insight we were right. supposed to gain <laughs> from this phone call though but... aside from the these just characters when you ended it because you you control the phone receiver with the left stick and you, right. you can hold it up to your ear or you can put it on speaker or whatever. And it's when you hang up, Bob or, Bob or Ben will say like, you know, oh, is it time to go basically? And you can mm-hmm. either choose to stay a little longer or you can choose to go. Mm-hmm. So did you, because my prompt at the end was like, um, Bob asks where I wanted to go as Emily and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I feel overwhelmed. Like, there's so many places to go. Right. And then uh, I think one of them suggested going to what they call the cluttered place. Mm, interesting. Um, and so we we set off for the cluttered place, but you never actually see where they are, see I, it or anything. Yeah. I think we chose that as well, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. But I mean, by the time we got to the end, because we had gone through so many of the different options that you could do, we were just like, yeah, we're, we're, we're done here. And then we, <laughs> we continued yeah. afterward. We, it took us a while to figure out you could hang up the phone. Right. Like, that right. was what you were supposed to do. And that was, like, do. the prompt to be like, okay, then, like you said, Ben or Bob would be like, oh, are we done here? And then you can continue to leave if that's yeah. mm-hmm. decide. Or you it's, can explore the phone options more. It's a strange, a strange interstitial because the other yeah. ones have been, you know, one of them, like, introduced Lula, and you had right. those tapes from the mines with Donald and Joseph and Lula. But this one, it, it describes the echo right but i mean there are certain nods like as you're drive as you're like as you eventually encounter the echo there are things you encounter that were on the phone like the Mm -hmm. i am pariah and it talks about the flooded place and these are all quote-unquote landmarks and tourist Mm -hmm. destinations that the bureau of of secret tourism says you can visit 
I mean, it's it seems yeah, it's it seems that like the other interstitial or in between chapters for these acts had just a lot more weight to them than, like you said, with 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 this one, there was the phone conversations that reference places that we eventually get to and pass by once we do get to the Echo. But you know, with the limits and demonstrations going through all of Lula's essentially her life and her work that she's done in that you know specific part in the cave, and then down to the uh the entertainment which is the bar that we get to where we meet um johnny and where we meet um junebug this one doesn't seem like it had you know as much weight to it as the other two seems to match the act that it's paired with in the fact that it's very disconnected from the story of the first three acts in the sense that there's really no additional information about lula and it doesn't revolve around um, you know, her experiences with, with Joseph and Donald it, mm-hmm. it is very separate from uh, the rest of the game. It doesn't really provide any uh, new insight on that aspect. It's much more focused around the characters of Junebug and yeah, Shannon. Game, and then yeah. we're introduced to new characters, which we'll get into at the beginning of uh, a back four. There is only one connection I can see. That's good. I'm and that is... Way. <laughs> that's why we keep you around here to, to find that um, later on there's a section where you're on a floating platform and there's a phone and yeah, one of the characters yeah, will call the phone and receive messages and it looked as if because you you, ass- you assume that you, yeah you assume you're in a room but yeah. this phone is on a table underneath a light mm-hmm. um so I mean, it's very possible that that's the phone that Emily, Bob, and Ben were using, suggesting right. that they travelled the from Echo. the Museum of Dwellings down to the Echo, and you know, it's mirroring the journey that we're taking as as Conway yeah. and Shannon and Ezra. That's true. That's true. I didn't think about that, but you're right. I think once you do get to that point where you are on the floating platform with the phone, it does have a similar vibe and a similar look to what we were doing in the in the in the in-between episode because in that it's just a phone like your whole view is just like this phone a table. On a yeah, table. it's like a top-down yeah. view yeah correct so you assume you're in a room but then yeah you don't actually know that for sure yeah yeah i mean that's never confirmed either that's just right yeah like a theory of mine but yeah that's the only reason i can think it would tie in right right we kind of already you know voiced our feelings on this but how did you guys feel about this one with oh, this other. interstitial yeah um i mean i felt like i could have done without it if i'm being honest mm-hmm. um not in a horrible way um no. you know I, I feel like if the only purpose it served was to show that emily bob and ben did travel along the mm-hmm. echo then i feel there was a better way to to you know convey that message yeah yeah I think that we may have missed an, an introductory part to it because we picked up the pamphlet and maybe it would have made a little, not more sense, but it would have been a little more uh, revealing because once again, they, they talk about the operator switchboard and the automated system, which is a portion of this next section that you go through. So there, there's other tie-ins to the, uh, to the act in general, mm. but, but overall it's, very ethereal and very just kind of like this section of the game where it's (laughs) it doesn't make too much sense to you until you play through the next act and you're like okay you know i see how this can connect but it's definitely not like 
the previous ones where there's huge, you know, story points that are revealed to you while playing through this, you know, whether it's like the entertainment and you're actually looking at the story of these characters or even limits and demonstrations (laughs) where you're revealing things about Lula and Donald and Joseph in the caves. Yeah. I think that, I mean, like what you said before, this, the here and there along the echo does a good job of kind of preparing you for what the next act follows. Cause they share, they share a very similar theme, I think. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. Like that's yeah. the other thing, like maybe it was supposed to be some form of uh, comedic relief. In right. The fact that it takes the form of this older man performing this script, like, uh, here along the echo and then it's like these phone options of an automated system of like if you don't know where you are press five right if you want to know about the secret places press one if you want to know about the border tourism press three it's like yeah i had one where it was like um if you're holding a snake press this button and then (laughs) it was like why are you holding the snake and i said it was for spiritualistic reasons and it got to the point where I was looking the snake in the eyes and I wasn't allowed to break eye contact. And it was, it was strange. Yeah. I mean, and the game has a lot of these like silly, strange comedic relief parts, but I think you're right. I think this might've been uh, set up like that, but you know, at this point of the game, we were so invested in this very like, <laughs> tell us more mature, <laughs> emotional, fantastical journey that a weird comedic phone conversation was just so strange and off-putting at the time that it showed up yeah yeah but it, it does make sense in a way because yeah act four kind of drives home this idea that the the place you experience is a place of its own it's not connected right. to really uh, the else. zero or any other kind of world it's almost its own domain right. yeah um and so that's that's something that that this does quite well because mm-hmm. it is its own interstitial you know it's not like the others it stands out from the rest right yeah it's kind of on its own where the other ones seemed connected to the acts they followed i would say that if i could replace this with something i would want to play uh, ezra's backstory a little bit because ezra does mm-hmm. play more of a role in, in, in moving forward into act four we learn more about his situation and and more we play as his character quite a few times so i think it would be a good opportunity to kind of play through at least the bus stop scene or maybe yeah. his family beforehand. And, I mean, like you said, we do play a little bit more of Ezra in this and who knows, maybe we don't know what act five entails, but it seems like we've gotten a lot of insight into all the characters that we've, we've run into as yeah. we've progressed. But Ezra, it seems like even when his dialogue options come up, come up, it almost seems like his options are the comedic relief and don't actually have any weight to them. It's like, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see more about his life. Hmm. hopefully it comes up in the i mean we have another interstitial and then episode five that's right that's right so um why is his hopefully. brother a giant bird these are the questions i need maybe answer. his mom was a giant bird maybe it will never be answered maybe, it'll never be answered. <laughs> maybe it's like uh, a platonic brother maybe yeah yeah they could be actually cousins i like to think that like he, he met him when he was like a normal sized bird and then he just grew up to this giant ball yeah <laughs> like a cliff at the big red do you guys have <laughs> cliff at the big red dog yeah no, of ab- course absolutely, we have absolutely, the absolutely. yeah um, he starts off as a normal bird but then gets uh, you know, ginormous yeah. flies into the window one day then destroys the house <laughs> <laughs> um all right well starting into act four yes. the scene opens with you on the boat yeah and it's the woolly mammoth that we see and yes. we find out that the woolly mammoth is actually just an animatronic, animatronic woolly mammoth, uh, woolly mammoth on the back of the boat 
and uh, you are introduced to a character whose name is Will. Yes. Uh, who, who looks who, like who, Jesus. Who looks like, like Jesus in board shorts. Yeah, I said he's a bro in board shorts. <laughs> he looks like if Jesus was a surf instructor, that's what yeah. Will looks like. It's, it's strange. He's got like the white, like he's got like a white hoodie with his hood yeah. up and it looks like a cloth. <laughs> and then it's just blight, like fluorescent yellow and pink surf shorts with sandals. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if it was a cloth or something, but does, does he have a beard? I thought I saw like a gray beard. Yeah, he's yeah. bearded yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's all uh, surf instructor G. But what's interesting is he knows Junebug. Correct, yeah. It yes. seems like when, because Junebug, you're making dialogue options for her, and the entire time it seems like they've had, you know, history together. They seem to know each other somewhat. Which makes sense, because Junebug is a, a traveling musician. Right. So it's. Yeah, it seems like she's a, a freak. Yeah, a frequent user of this, of this ferry. Mm hmm. Uh, and they're talking about how to fix the mammoth, right? Uh, who also has a, a musical uh, to component it. to it, but yeah. unfortunately, it's broken and no one knows how to fix it. Yeah, and, and at least also it, doesn't know how to fix it. Yeah, like, in I'm our not, in our dialogue it. options, we we said that Junebug had no idea how to to fix it, and that she avoids high current electricity oh, yeah. issues. <laughs> uh, but we also find out that the fairy is called the Mucky Mammoth. Musky, mm. musky. Sorry. The mucky, the mucky mammoth, <laughs> the musky mammoth. Yes, yeah. and the mammoth is the is the horn of the fairy. Right. Yeah. Was it a real mammoth? We were we were duped. We were... See, you you believed too much yeah. of the fantastical realism. Mm, I was yeah. kind of hoping it was a real mammoth. No, it's just a <laughs> I giant thought it was the engine. <laughs> that would be. I thought cool. it was like power in the boat somehow. <laughs> just like a cord plugged into this actual <laughs> mammoth. <laughs> it runs on mammoth power. <laughs> Mammoth blood runs this fairy. <laughs> hey, man. Um, but yeah, so uh, I believe eventually Ezra comes on to mm. the to the ship. The, sh the ferry sets off, and you're you're playing as Junebug initially, talking to Will and to Kate, who are the two workers. Right, Kate drives the ferry. Yeah, yeah. Will actually doesn't have any mechanical experience. He just helps Kate out because she's a friend. Yeah, and eventually uh, Ezra will come out of the of the deck onto mm -hmm. the kind of outside of the ship, and you begin playing as as Ezra. Mm -hmm. And I believe this is the bit where Johnny gives Ezra the recording tape. Right. Yes. Do do we play as Ezra, or do we, sorry, do we play as Shannon before this, or is it after the Ezra part? Because I thought it was before that we played as Shannon. Oh, it might be before. Actually, yes, yeah. no, because Shannon and Conway have the have the conversation, don't they? Well, also Shannon talks to Kate. And yeah. Kate tells Shannon about, you know, uh, Kate also has this little dog with her too. But Kate tells Shannon about the, there's a video room with a VCR. And she references that, like, there's just this this tape that plays this video of a woman. And there's just this, like, silent hum to it, yeah, referring it was... to the story that Shannon told us about when she saw Weaver for the first time after years was on yes, the tape. Yeah, so kind yeah. of piqued that And I believe that's when we get introduced to WEVP correct, TV. Oh, it's the public access. Which is the Network, public access, but also the creators of this game, which, you know, interesting, interesting way to drop your <laughs> your name in, inside your own game. Um, I didn't put the... that together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the beginning of the title card, uh, it's Annapurna, WEVP, and uh, Cardboard. Cardboard games. Cardboard games. Um, so. Oh, wow. Fair play but to you. After this, you do play as Ezra. Ezra comes out and asks for batteries if he has any batteries because johnny wants to give him the little recorder mm -hmm. um, 
and at this point now you're playing as Ezra and you're making kind of dialogue options for him. Um, and then I think it's, yeah, it's Shannon who gives him some batteries, I believe. I don't think it's. Yeah. She's like, I've got like four batteries. She's like, one of these will fit. Oh yeah. She's like, I have four, I have four different batteries and she's like, one of them should work. Shannon's always the, the handy, the handyman. Right. Yeah. Fix it, fix and stuff. Also, uh, we were, at least in our playthrough, recorded a cat, and that yeah. was pretty much the extent of using the recorder. Yeah. We also, in the, that section, when Ezra runs back into the ferry to get the recorder from Johnny, we're introduced to Carla? Mm-hmm. Yes. Cara? Yes, Carla. Interesting, because Carla is a musician from Lithuania. Yeah, which is funny. Which is where I'm from. Yep, which is where Kai's from, which is really which, cool. is, wow. which was very odd. Lithuania very infrequently dropped in anything. You know? some shout outs yeah. in I, 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 Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Lithuania is a country in Eastern Europe off the uh, western side of Russia. So there you go. A little fun yeah. geography fact for the day. It's uh, near uh, near Latvia. Mm-hmm. All those little fun countries. <laughs> I've, I've met three people when I worked in the in the pub industry. Two of them two of the people I met were Lithuanian and one of them was Latvian. Um, they were all women and they were all extremely scary in a good way in a good way they were very very strong characters yes yeah, thumbs up Kai yeah a that, woman with a I'm, a, I'm a woman with a strong character <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh, it's it's crazy because the whole time before this I don't know about you guys but I kind of imagined that Route Zero was a an American fin. You know, it was something that yeah. in Kentucky, people from Kentucky knew of Zero. It kind of seems like it's a global, it's a global yeah. thing at this point, if people from Lithuania are, are know of it and, you know. Well, she, so it's revealed that she's a touring musician yeah. and that she, she is taking the Echo, going. not the Zero necessarily, right. but the Echo. She's oh, taking apologies. it yeah, yeah. Yeah, as, part of her, uh, as a part of her tour. So she's right. playing along the Echo and then she's going to continue on to Nashville and then to Atlanta. Um, so apparently she does the, reference to zero, doesn't she? Though, yeah, yeah, I think they, so, they yeah. talk about she zero. knows of it, but she's she's traversing the echo to get from place right, to place, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, I guess we never really stated, but the echo is the river that we're on, the river that we're taking, currently. yes, which also resembles the zero if the zero yeah. was a river, like in, in the screen yes, where you're yeah. on the zero and you're spinning the wheel kind of around the that little spatial area, that's what the, the echo looks like, mm. yeah, except you're a fairy in water. Yeah, with with um, Ezra, you guys only recorded the cat. Yeah, yeah. that's all. Yeah, that's all we really because as recording. we recorded the cat, Conway walks in and he now not only has a skeleton leg but a skeleton arm holding a coffee mug. And then it switches to you playing as him as Conway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else yeah. did you record with Ezra? No, I was thinking I couldn't remember if it was then or later on because later on there are a couple of chances to record things as Ezra. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, gotcha. You can record like the the ocean and stuff um and you can record will sleeping at one point which was very weird that is that is weird interesting but they come into play later on which i'm guessing you didn't you didn't use them because there is actually a use for them we did not use Mm. them Uh, okay we'll we'll discuss that when it comes up but yes apparently conway is slowly turning into one of the 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 brewery boys the hard boys (laughs) the hard boys yeah slowly yes um, which, and I'm I'm curious of if that's because of the drugs that he was given. Because when he did get the drugs, his leg turned, or it's because that he's now quote unquote in debt, employed to these people, and he's going to turn into 
looking like them. Like it's interesting that those two things are connected: the drugs and the employ. The those people look like the skeletons. Yeah, I put it down to the whiskey. Oh, personally, because yeah. that's he drank the whiskey. Because the whiskey is like the confirmation that you want to work and you want to become one of the hard boys. So I always assumed that it was the whiskey that was causing this transformation. It's, it's just but maybe the drugs. My, yeah, my understanding is leg turn too from just the nerve birth fall. Yeah, my understanding is that it doesn't represent either. It represents his debt. Because when oh, he, he when he takes the neuroprothol, they say, "Look, you owe the electric company now," and that's when right, his leg right. turns. And then he has a new debt for the whiskey people after he agrees to not decrease to to drive with them. And then all of a sudden, his arm turns. And so, right. as he accrues more of this worldly debt that he's going around, he starts turning into one of these. Maybe that's just what it is. These skeleton people are just representations of their own extreme debt that they're trying to they're trying to Maybe. break. Yeah, that's interesting because there's a this is the conversation I was talking about between Conway and Shannon. Yeah, they're like um, at the edge of the of the ferry, like looking over the boat. Yeah, on the bow of the boat they're they're looking over and they're talking about, you know, what's gonna happen with Conway. Mm-hmm. Um and so Conway's like, you know, I owe them a debt. Um, and at this point, you're controlling Shannon. Yeah. And, you know, Conway's like, I owe them a debt. And as Shannon, I tried to talk Conway out of the debt. I think we had a similar, similar yeah. experience with it. Yeah. I was like, you know, you don't have to do it. You know, like, surely there's a way we can get out of it. Um, but Conway seems adamant that he's going to do it. Um, he's like, he I, says, yeah, he's like, I gave them my word. I, like, I, I have this yeah, debt. Yeah. I have to do it. Especially he, says a, he said a line in our playthrough, which was like, you know, you have to settle up before you. Like, yeah, yeah. That's like what the worst thing say. to do is leave behind. Right. Uh, like that's what die. I think it's like that's why dying sudden suddenly is such a bad thing is because they never had time to settle up or something like that. Which yeah, he said that. Um, he was like, "Oh, I should be thankful for the chance to repay my debt because it's a shame when people die having not settled." Yeah. Which, which is, is just deep. strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it all it also seems like he's looking forward to the job. Especially because this was his last delivery with Lizette's. Like he didn't really know what the future was going to hold for him, it's and now like he, he has a second chance at doing his delivery thing that he's been doing and what he's known for so long. Yeah, hmm. but it's also kind of just like a like an acceptance, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like and I mean, let's not get too too fucking deep, but like <laughs> you know, there, there are there are points in life where certain people or yourselves just have to kind of accept that this is the situation you're in you know sometimes things are a bit beyond your control and i mean it doesn't have much time to really think about all this either like after he drank the whiskey and talked to them though like you have like tomorrow you start so he's just like wow like this is oh this is happening i'm gonna do as much as i can i guess tonight and then tomorrow i start yeah Mm. yeah but it's, it's weird because you this whole kind of journey along the echo is seemingly told as if it's will in the future telling somebody about the journey that he took with the strangers on the boat that's how i understood mm-hmm. it because there was yeah. a lot of like yeah there was a lot of language of like you know oh he spoke about like Kate and I met these strangers and it is very like sort of past tense, almost as if he's repeating yeah, well, this story to someone. There's a, there's an opening monologue that Will gives where he talks about, you know, Oh, I've, 
I've heard a lot of stories on the Echo, and people think that I've experienced them, but I've only experienced a few of them. He talks and about and he he talks about two like two other stories that he actually experienced, which I believe was like the huge bat migration, and then something right. else. And then he's like, "Well, one of the other things I lived through was you know these musicians and this person that came on the Echo, and that's kind of what sets the story off." So I agree that you know this is his perspective in retelling this story that happened along the Echo. Well, I mean, there's a point later on that we get to that we'll talk about eventually that is, you know, referencing these acts as being something that happened in the past. Yeah. These, and these individuals are recanting them in, in their present, but our acts are previous in the past. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of time changing. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of back and forth that happens. Mm. Uh, I can't then, remember the first stop because there's a couple of stops it, you do, right? It is the floating gas yeah, station. Yeah, I believe the first stop is the gas station. I think they say that we got to pull over to get gas, and they talk about how there's this gas gas station that's never it's not anchored down, so it kind of floats yeah. around the echo as well. You just have to hope that you get there before you run out of gas. And, and this in, <laughs> this introduces uh, an aspect of this, which is you're given options mm-hmm. uh, of what you want to do usually. So it's like. Uh, I don't know what the example for this was, but it's well, like you can go to the gas station or you can stay on the boat and talk. Yeah, to this was you either you either go as uh, Junebug and Johnny mm-hmm. onto the gas station to basically look for some, like stuff to buy, right. or you stay on the boat. I believe as Ezra, mm-hmm. or it might be Conway, but it's, it's one of the characters is on the boat. Um, I'm not sure when it comes up, but I know that there's one where you stay, you play as Shannon, and you stay on the boat and look at the tapes. I don't know if it's this this stop or another one, but no, I, I believe it's the next one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I know we did that. Uh, so we chose to go to the floating gas station, right? Uh, with, with, Johnny with Junebug and Johnny, who go to uh, buy snacks. Because yeah, snacks, that's what snacks, I did as well. Snacks are important. There's another thing that we had to buy. What was it? it was because we didn't buy snacks. Uh, it's it was, just that Kate tells you that to put the gas on oh, her tap. On her, on her tap. That's right. And yeah, you did you buy talking. the crystal? Yes, yes. we did buy the we crystal. We ended up yeah. buying the crystal. We start as Junebug, and Junebug heads into this gas station, talks to the clerk, and that's when you get introduced to the crystals, and he talks to you about these crystals and everything, and that's when we bought them. Uh, I would just like to point out for the, f- the fifth time that Junebug is a robot and makes robot yes. sounds when she and, and Johnny, Android. or Android, uh, and that's never explained or has not been explained yet. It's very Why do they make such robotic noises when they move? I mean, it explains so, the transformation during the during the concert in Act Three. Because, like, if they're if they're android, maybe they have the ability to like change their hair and stuff. Oh, so I see. Just, like when they went from their normal street clothes, yeah, to, like yeah, other they go from like street the... clothes to like stage nice. clothes. You know, Johnny's got like a big shoulder padded suit on and june bug's hair is really long and she's got a dress and then after it ends they go back to normal yes um robots. doesn't explain why they're androids no uh, they also have to be robots because robots are the only things on the planet that enjoy the sound of a theremin so uh, we'll get to that we'll get to that <laughs> um so you end up talking to the to the clerk. gas station attendant who is a, a very interesting character who mm-hmm. enjoys being alone and being invisible. That's his, he has a very forgetful face. But he enjoys that. But he enjoys like, there's that. Something, there's something very uh, nice about being, being a forgetful person and just being content with being invisible. I was like, yeah. Wow, this is deep. You know, good for him. Uh, and he ends up uh, selling us a crystal, yeah. which they're, I guess this gas station is known for. Um, Doesn't surprise me. And the crystals are dredged up from the lake. 
uh, which, you know, of course they are. And then we end up as Junebug giving the crystal to Johnny, who then goes. There's an optional conversation you can yeah, have with there, someone in the, another gentleman in the gas station. The gas Did you station. end up having that, Ben? Yes. Yeah. He comes along on the little boat, um, and he says, oh, "What does he say?" He says, "God damn, it's something." He talks about being in the presence of friends or something. He's a very yeah. cheerful fellow. Well, there's there's two of them. The one with Junebug, because Junebug is is a woman. You talk to I don't remember his name, but he's waiting for a date. Yeah, date. Oh god, yes, yes, yes. And then he's like, if the date doesn't show up, he's like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. And then you, 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 so he tells you, oh, this is my first time like online dating, and like you know, I only got one response. Would you mind going through my dating like Profile. profile paragraph and helping me with it? Pretty much you just review his dating you, you profile. You just review his dating profile, which is like I he talks about the echo. He talks about like a very flowery language about going along the echo, and then he says, No goofballs. Oh yeah, no goofballs. <laughs> and then he has two, two children. Yeah. yeah, he has two kids that live he doesn't he doesn't live with them, and he says no goofballs. And so you you help him with his dating profile, and he's like, Oh, thank you for, for helping me. And his and his uh the meaning of no goofballs, because obviously being the the strangest response on his dating profile, we had to pry, and he, he's like, "Oh, it just means like only serious and quiet." He's like, I don't want anybody. And, like, then, and then he's it, not selling a table. He sounds like he's selling <laughs> a coffee table. Uh, serious inquiries only. And it's kind of a like a nice, sincere response from Junebug that she says, "Like, well, you might miss out on some good goofballs." Yeah, exactly. and he goes, "Oh yeah, I didn't think about it like that. I guess I'll change it," which is kind of adorable. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um. But overall, a pointless encounter. He, he does hit on us afterward. He's like, if my date's late, like, are you doing anything? And it's like, no. I'm, I'm, no. <laughs> no, and then we say our card is taken. Oh, yeah, our card and, is taken. Uh, yes, yes. He's like, oh, that's not what I meant. That's that's not what I meant by that. I just, you know, something, something, shuffling backwards. Blah, 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 blah. I think we had the exact same conversation. Because I fired yeah. into as many things of his dating profile. As I <laughs> right, of, course, of course. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you ask about the children. He's like, oh, you know, I don't want to put people off later down the line i'd rather they know up front and you're like yeah, fair enough yeah. okay yeah and he said he also wants to brag about his kids because we we learned that his daughter his son is a school teacher and his daughter does something like she's she, uh oh gosh. it doesn't matter the point is, is that he's like yeah sometimes i just want to brag about them which is also cute that he wants to talk yeah, about his kids. his kids. Yeah, uh, I feel I feel bad because I kind of forgot about him. I remember yeah. the sailor. I, I, I was just about to say, oh, I feel like it's cute. The guy that we don't even remember his name. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it's not important. Uh, and then you go out as as Junebug and, and you talk John. to Johnny, and they have a brief conversation about bringing Ezra along with them uh, in very decontextualized ways. They just kind of mention it but not mention it about like right. maybe we need to add someone to her journey and, and johnny's talking to i believe a dog outside i'm not yeah sure. it's a kate's dog yeah and you have this weird conversation where you're like you could come along with us in the sidecar and you then you select options like you can sit with me and i'll hold you or i'll swing my leg over and you can sit next to me or well, you they, can sit they, in the well they have a, a more elaborate conversation and deep conversation about it once we get to the the theremin part but. yeah but this is kind of the introduction to that and then yeah. you go into the gas station as johnny and talk to the attendant once again having a very similar conversation that you have with junebug and you mentioned that you know you were with the person who was just in here a second ago and that's when uh, another person comes in who 
is a static who says like thank i think it's thank god it's good to be among friends oh yeah but it's like one word it's not like yeah like it's, one text, word it's one and word in all caps thank yes, god it's a good it, yeah. <laughs> and he tells this harrowing tale of the fact that he was uh traveling in the echo and got lost uh in the, in the cave system and ended up running out of light and he was just oh, floating sorry. along with a bag of apples and he had like his hand up against <laughs> the and, wall and, and he had his hand up against the wall yeah, and he sorry. let go and he couldn't find the wall anymore and he was just floating in darkness and he started telling the time by oh, the apples, by yeah. apples so he's like it was one apple and then it was two apples and by the time he got to the last apple it had been rotted and he was going to take a bite and he learned that there was a larva that was living in the apple and he decided to to let it survive because he thought it was so sad that this this what he assumed was a fly uh was going to be born into this world without any uh, other companions of yeah. his fly brethren no fly culture no <laughs> literally what it says is that there's no you know insect culture or insect society that this fly can grow up with and so eventually this fly hatches from its larva and it turns out not to be a fly, but a lightning bug. Which guided him out. And using the glow from the lightning bug, slowly guided himself out of this cave and to get to the point where he made it to the gas station. And that's why he's so ecstatic. Thank God it's good to be among the friends. Uh, it's because he's been trapped for 12 apples uh, <laughs> in the in the Echo. Which, you know, what a story. Yeah, Congrats that is the you. story I want to hear. <laughs> first, props to Kai for remembering that entire story. <laughs> All I remembered is that eventually he got out thanks to like a, a, <laughs> right, exactly. a firefly book. It was just the, the apples was wild. That he was, was telling time about how many apples. Yeah, he, he had eat. a bag of apples, and that's how he told time, which is just, it's just so interesting. Uh, and then you, you go back, and Johnny and Junebug head back on the boat because yeah. it honks its little mammoth horn. horn. Yeah. Uh, and it's time to leave and go on to the next uh, pit stop on the Echo. Right. Mm. And this is um, in between these pit stops, Will will uh, tell stories of either what the group was doing or will tell you things about the Echo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was where the biblical reference that I was talking to you about pre-recording came up because you have i believe it's this one where you have two options between something that was run by somebody called ida and something that Mm. was run by somebody called judah Mm. and so obviously judah is a biblical reference from the bible right um i had to look this up he was uh the son of jacob um him and his brothers were jealous of their brother joseph who was known for his his technical dream coat and so basically they pushed Joseph into a pit until they could decide what to do with him. And Judah saw a caravan that was passing, traveling to Egypt. And his brothers wanted to kill Joseph, but Judah managed to convince them to sell Joseph to this caravan as a slave. Right. Um, so that happens joseph ends up going to egypt he becomes very powerful well renowned he becomes like a a member of high society and later on in the future judah and his brothers are in egypt and basically joseph is hiding his identity from them until he realizes that they have redeemed themselves and become good people and so he, he 
basically reveals who he truly is. So it's like a like a redemption story of Judah, you know, being the quote unquote nice person in the situation and <laughs> and redeeming right. himself. Um, but Ida is also a reference, which was crazy. Ida is the name of a Polish film, which uh, tells the story of a nun in 1960s Poland who must reconcile with her past before making a vow that will decide her view- her future. Which wow. could be a nod to Conway's situation, I guess. It's wild. I didn't get any. A lot of, a lot of meta references. Yeah, yeah and it gets meta later on because you find out that I believe it's Clara's uncle has been no, sent yes. to a Polish hospice because he is terminally ill. And there's yes. a nun at the Polish hospice who's looking after him. I was like, Jesus, man. <laughs> That's better. I can't take it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That, that is... I've just learned to Google any name that comes up in this game. That's valid. Yes, that's just, we're going we're gonna to carry on that tradition <laughs> uh, moving fair. forward uh, through our playthrough. Our, um, our last act that we have left of this game. So I believe you get to an option where you can do something or you can be Shannon and go into the video room. Yeah, I don't to- remember where that stop is. I just know that we chose to be Shannon to go into the video room to check out that tape. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I did the same because I was like, "That sounds so yeah. much more interesting than." Oh, hundred uh, percent. And so you you go down into this lower part of the ship that has a television on a, very a small, small table, and then a library like bookcase filled with VHS tapes. And you examine the wall, and you or initially you cannot choose the Weaver tape. You right. have, you have a couple different options, which I was like, I think one is like golf, yeah, and. Exactly some other random things maybe an animal documentary because that seems to be a theme in this in this game yeah i watched uh, a fair few of these <laughs> yeah <laughs> the one that stands out there's ones that have three question marks is the one of the options that you're yeah that's that that's what you eventually get to once you've watched enough of the other uh, vhs tapes right uh and you plug it in and who is it but weaver marquez on on the screen with the odd hum in the background and then you're given the like close caption text below her of her speaking um i don't really remember what she says i just remember being amazed that it's weaver and mm-hmm. that she's on she, this ship she talks about um one of the things she says is like about male a mail drop school and magnificent horses mm, and she yeah. says go underground deep and when you close your eyes you're surrounded by the dead i think this is what you're looking for i think you'll be happy there Wild. Yep, that you're right. I didn't are the hard boys dead? <laughs> like, are, are are they dead? Like, who fucking knows? Who knows? <laughs> there's no, there's more questions and less answers. Which is, which is making me realize more and more by the end of this game that it's just going to end with more questions. Yeah, not going to be you're, happy. You're probably not going to be satisfied with a with a grand overarching answer. But that's did you life. watch? Did you watch any more of these afterwards? Because you have the option of once you've finished watching the Weaver tape, you have the option of uh, exploring the rest of the boat or continuing to watch the tapes. No, I think we we explored, we the, explored the, rest the, the rest of the boat and had a conversation with Will. Okay, I watched a couple of the tapes, and there was one tape in particular that was brilliant because most of them were like I wrote them down. It was like art, fin, birds, trivia, 
a funeral which was like an obituary for an old woman who had died but one of them was called science and it was will he was a much younger will on the public access network Hmm. and basically he had a banner behind him that says i believe you and people would call in and talk about their encounters with the supernatural and he would basically you know be like oh yeah i think there was just like people calling in explaining (laughs) what they'd seen um and it sort of suggested that he was like a believer of the supernatural and of the paranormal but interestingly when you go and have the conversation with will you can reference this show to him and he doesn't remember it he's like i never had a public public access show he's like i might have done it but i i've forgotten but as far as he knows this never happened (laughs) So weird. That's what happens when you spend your life uh, in the Echo, eating mushrooms. Working on mammoths. Working on electric mammoths, I guess. Yeah, we had went and talked to Kate after this, just to tell her that we had found the the video room in the VHS. And she talks about like how uh, the the tapes, if the tapes were left in the VCR, that for some reason they get like shredded and destroyed for some reason. Yeah, so you have the option to to leave the tape in or take it out. And we decided to take it out. And then you end up going and talking to Kate who says that, yeah, if you leave the tape in there, it'll get destroyed. Um, And the reason that Weaver was recorded was because the tape machine will record over anything that's left in there. And the only channel that they get on the boat is WEVP, which is the community access channel of the Echo. And so it was just happened to have been left in the machine and recorded Weaver's broadcast, uh, what was ever there uh, previously. And all the tapes had been left by... uh, Travelers on the uh, the musky mammoth. Yeah, that was the that's how came in and they they donated essentially their VHS tapes to this ferry. And talking about Will as a, as a scientist, that's interesting because later on in one of the stops, we learned that Will was uh, a staff member of a university and was right. a, was a scientist at some point. So that connects even further to the fact that he has some background in the sciences or the supernatural. I'm not really sure what the show was supposed to be, but yeah, it was, it was weird. It was almost like it was called science, but he was backing up these stories that people, so maybe it's like a paranormal science that he's into more, more Um, supernatural and fantastical than scientific. Yeah. Did you talk to Kate about dash dash yell? I had to look up the name here. Well, yeah. yeah, So the shell. Yes. You, you ask like, you know, how do, what is WEVP? Like, where is this? And she's like, oh, I don't know where it is, but I do know someone who worked at the station who's right. Dashiell, uh, and you can ask him, and eventually there's a stop where you have a conversation with him and you learn a little bit more about what's going on down in the Echo. But uh, yeah, that's, this is the first time we really hear about him uh, and his connection to WEVP. Yeah, but it's strange because... Um, Kate's under the impression he still works there, mm. but Will is like, "Oh no, he got fired." And Kate's like, "Well, no, he gets the ferry every day. Like, I drop him off <laughs> at the sta- at the station for him to go to work." Mm. And so Will's like, well, like "No, he got fired like ages ago." <laughs> so you're it's under the impression street. that maybe Dashiell doesn't work there anymore, or like you don't know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Now I don't remember what happens after this. Is this where we go to that? You know the, the the TV station place, or is the phone before that? The phone is before. No, the phone before. is before that. Yeah, before, the phone is the next stop. Here. Yeah. Uh, do you want to explain the floating platform phone? 
Yeah, so I don't I don't remember why we need to go to the phone for any particular it's reason. Just, it's just like an option. Another stop, but yeah. there's a floating phone that you can stop to, and and almost every character kind of goes through. There's a, there's a gentleman already on the there. phone already, which we find out it's Brandon, the janitor from the storage container that we were at before, which is of course it is wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, but every character goes through. But before that, like. Conway says something weird and he's like, Oh, I want to go back to the ship. But instead of taking the small lifeboat that they've taken over to this floating platform, he just jumps in the water and swims back to the ferry, which I thought was so odd. And this is when we go for it. No, sorry. I was going to say we like, we should mention that at this point, Conway has been drinking. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Nonstop. Yeah. This is the start to the many references of him. Uh, in every conversation with every other character, so you'll you'll mention all. like, oh, he's you know he's been drinking. Oh, he's getting drunk. Oh, he's had a lot of liquor. Like after this, every conversation you have mentions the fact that Conway. Yeah, he's just well, con- really, he's, he's referred to as the old man uh, to most of the other characters, which Kate and Will. But that he's been drinking quite he's, quite he's a lot. Almost constantly intoxicated from here. Yeah, on out. Uh, shown by the fact that he jumps into the disgusting in river, which we've already clarified is filled with trash. And crystals, uh, it <laughs> swims back to the musky mammoth, which is wild. It was wild yeah. to watch him jump off the platform and swim back, and everyone's like, "What the hell? Did he just jump off?" Yeah. What the weird thing is, he tells Ezra that he's going back for more booze, right? <laughs> which is strange. You know, maybe um, something then, you shouldn't tell a child. But... Yeah, and this is weird because Will calls his answering machine at the bureau. Yeah, he like listens to his like, which is which his, his all his voicemails are played back in like actual voice acting. Yes, yes. but the interesting thing is that all of the voicemails he has twenty three of them. Yeah, it's wild. All of the voicemails are references to that operating system that was in the interstitial. Right. Because there are references where people are like, seriously, the first thing I remember is blur. Or they'll talk about things that, like, questions that were prompted on this telephone service. Um, I don't know why Will has access to the answering machine at the Bureau. bureau. Um, But, yeah, so that's that. Uh, Clara calls her sister. Sister? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's when you find out about her uncle. Uh, Her uncle is also a biblical reference. Mm. Her uncle is Andreas. who, which is derivative of Andrew, and Andrew was the first apostle of Jesus. So, there's that. Is, this good? is the ending of this game just going to be like the ending of Lost? I feel like that's the path that we're taking. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? And I believe Kate calls, I believe it's her friend who is pregnant. Oh, yeah, oh no, yeah, she's yeah, a doula, fine. isn't she? She's a doula. Yeah, she's, she, Kate is a doula. Yeah, yes. she's she's calling the a woman that is pregnant to see how she's Yeah, it's her client, yeah. yeah. And for those of you who are unsure what a doula is, because I'm sure that there is a part of the population who does not know, a doula is just someone who aids in the, the giving of birth. They're like a, like a wet nurse, pretty much. But uh, Wet nurse is an awful... I like doula. Better. Whatever. They're a doula. <laughs> someone It's who very different to pregnancy. a midwife. Yeah, because yeah. A, a midwife will actually do the birthing process, but a doula is more just help with the to process. Do... Yeah, but they're also to do with sort of like emotional support throughout the pregnancy. Like you can right. contact them if you're having any concerns or if you need help with yeah. 
what to buy and, or whatever. Yeah. And the woman is very much, it seems like she's like, yeah, I'm ready for this baby. to She's like very pregnant and ready for the baby to come out. Yeah. And she, and, and then Kate goes on a, a nice little story of that. Like every woman's different and some of them are panicky and they don't know what's happening and they're unsure. And then some of them are like, I'm ready and it's coming. And they just <laughs> know. And you're like, yeah. Oh, thanks Kate for this insight. Which, you know, I, I have a very large family and there have been lots of children in my family throughout my my lifetime and i can attest that it's true (laughs) (laughs) when my mum was my mum was pregnant with my younger brother my aunt was pregnant with my cousins like every single pregnancy was kind of different right um so yeah that is that is true facts and uh i believe i believe shannon makes a call as well i can't remember who shannon calls though I'm not sure. I do want to mention yeah. one one thing uh, that I think we skipped over. And there's a conversation, I believe it's when Shannon and Conway are at the front of the boat. Uh, and Conway mentions the fact that he hurt his shoulder uh, like a long time ago. And he said, I was lucky that it was only nerve damage. And it's the shoulder in the arm that had turned to skeleton. So there could also be a connection that like debt like, like debt or, or damage of some kind where his leg was injured and right it, became it, skeleton so it may be the neuropathol mm. healing old wounds uh but i'm not sure so i just want to bring that up and make sure we know yeah that's true right, chef i completely forgot about that yeah this entire time too you're after you go through each one of these kind of stopping points you go back to the kind of overview of your little fairy going down the echo but you're not controlling this really at all it kind of goes and stops at different points and then you can choose to either stay on the ferry and do stuff with a certain character or go off of the ferry and explore whatever stop you had come mm-hmm. to so you're not actually controlling this ferry as it goes down the echo yes yeah yeah, yeah. um and then our next i believe is the the radvansky center correct yes and this yes. is where we're introduced to jen and mimi and they're looking at footage and this was uh, this is what i was referring to before they're looking at footage of us going to that center but they're referring to it as something that happened years years ago yeah so like that's our next stop in our present but in this sense we're watching people looking at past uh tapes, tapes. yeah yeah because isn't it like they they found it in a bag somewhere right. and they need to process it and get it onto this database that they have because they reference the you know Essentially, what it is is that they uh, Shannon has been told that they can make a quick buck if they stop off at this Radvansky Center and basically mm-hmm. do some tests. Um, and you find out later that the tests are memory tests, mm. um, which I was saying to you guys was true. Radvansky is a is a cognitive and memory uh, psychologist. So there you go. interesting that checks backed up with facts. Um, Fact checks for good <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, yeah, you're playing as well. Not playing. You're you're from the viewpoint of Mimi and Jen, who are observing uh, Shannon as she's going through these tests. Um, and it will, from time to time, it will glance to another camera where you'll see like Ezra, Will, and Conway, like on the on the edge of this dock. Yes, yeah, but you're for the most part you're playing as Shannon, and you're answering the questions that Shannon would have answered at the time. 
Yeah. So it's like you, you walk into a room and you sit down and it'll say, without looking around the room, how many shelves were on the bookcase? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you, you have to answer these wrong. questions. Yeah, yes, I think I did as well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you yeah, it's, it's strange because you're answering the questions as Shannon in the present, but from the viewpoint of Mimi and Jen in the future. In the future, yeah, it's so strange. Um, but there are multiple tests and you feed a they'll cat go at through. Yeah, they'll, yeah, but that isn't a test. No, that was like Jen just wasn't at work and, and figured the volunteers would feed yeah, the she, cat. She put uh, feed the cats on university letterhead. She didn't, she didn't want to do it because she was going to be there. So she just put the piece of paper that said feed the cats. And then they have a whole conversation about the, the moral questionability. Of, yeah. She's <laughs> like, well, you can do that. She's like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, and they have a conversation about um, how a unpeeled guava looks like a pear or doesn't look like a pear depending well, they, they on who you a, ask they talk about the watercolors and then there's a whole like yeah. conversation about how photographs are have more authority not well, necessarily because, that they're more truthful but yeah. that people recognize them as having authority because in this room they have shannon look at images and then answer questions about them but instead of using actually uh, actual photographs they have another friend of theirs that Water paints colors. watercolor paintings of the images <laughs> that they put in that room yeah and they say something along the lines of like watercolors already look like a hazy forgotten memory, memory. of a dream right and so we should be using photographs and they Which have it's an interesting thing to think about it's true <laughs> interesting discussion yeah, and then you, true, yeah. you you think this pear is a guava um and I'm trying to still wrap my head around. Maybe it's because it's a watercolor painting, but I feel like pears and guavas look very different. They look, they look so similar. I feel they like. look similar I before you cut mango. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a guava literally looks like a green pear, but slightly bigger. And yeah. then you cut it open, and it's orange in the middle. Yeah. Um, anyway. But it's not very often that you see a, a whole guava. To be fair, so it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, um, but you get to the most interesting part of this entire cool. center. I'm curious. There's, there's two interesting parts that I, I I jotted down. Oh, actually, there are two. The one I was referencing yeah. was the TV section with Shannon. That was my that was not one of the ones he wrote down. <laughs> well, one of them was that Weaver actually worked for this community access video station. So that was one of the interesting parts. Yeah, that's where you find out is in the TV part. So gotcha, gotcha. You you have a test where basically the idea is there are six TVs and the i can't remember if it's memo uh jen or mimi one of them will say how many tvs did she watch and you have the option of mm -hmm. saying like none one or all of them mm -hmm. um, and i picked all of them and what you do is you watch it and it's essentially the way they describe it is there's a table and the camera pans over the table into another room and then into a second room with the table and you have to say what object was on the table obviously you haven't actually seen it you're just saying what you're just picking an option but it's all obsolete because mimi is telling the story to jen of how weaver was working at the public access network mm -hmm. yeah um but she one day just disappeared in mysterious circumstances um and then after she disappeared the broadcasts started to happen so that's when you you find out that these tapes and stuff we're seeing of Weaver are recordings of actual broadcasts that were, they were interrupted almost like a, like a hijacking. They would interrupt, they would interrupt the public access network with Weaver's recording and they wouldn't be able to stop it. And then the recording would stop and then the public access would carry on. 
Yeah. And the reason that they start talking about that is because they recognize Shannon's last name is Marquez. Right. And that prompts them to be like, oh, don't you recognize that this name? Person. And she's like, one of them, I don't remember if it's Mimi or, or Jen. It's like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they, they're like, no, I was talking about Weaver Marquez. Yeah, she's and like, I don't recognize this person at all, uh, but I recognize her last name, Weaver Marquez. Which is, isn't that strange? Because I swear Shannon's last name isn't Marquez. Apparently it is. At least that's what she wrote on the... I mean, they're just... Yeah, they're, they're yeah but that's that's what, I, that's what I'm getting at, because... yeah. Because I always thought that it was Weaver Marquez and Shannon was related to her or knew her, but they were a different family. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Which would which would mean... Because in my head, I was like, wait, does that mean Shannon is Weaver Marquez? Oh. But I may be remembering it wrong and they may be cousins with the same last name. No, I, I definitely know they're cousins, but from all the stories that they've told, it seems like their families were very close. So maybe they just... yeah. The, yeah, the other big takeaway from this section is yes. that uh, Mimi was in a relationship with Charlie. Yes, the person that fell, died falling off the roof. Mm-hmm. They were college boyfriend and girlfriend, and he died very suddenly in a roofing accident. Which is a story we keep getting reference to. Yeah. And will keep getting reference to, actually, continuing in mm-hmm. Act 4. Uh, there's even another exciting thing that happens during this section. Yeah, There's a lot that goes on, and we learned that the hard boys... Uh, have tracked down Conway. They're there to and take there's, him away. And there's they, because Mimi and Jen can switch the camera position, so they switch back to the dock, and there's three of the hard boys surrounding Conway, and they look to be having a conversation, which we assume is aggressive, but we learn later that Conway is just like, no, they're actually pretty nice fellas, you know? Yeah. And Mimi and Jen say, oh, I hate how they hang out together. Yeah. And they're like, we hang yeah. out outside of work, and he's like, well, yeah. it's different. It's they're different. different. Right. They just give me the creeps. Yeah, this this is weird because at this point there's nobody else on the dock. It's just Conway and two of the hard boys, and then Ezra and Will cat. come along. And, oh no, Ezra and the cat. Yes, yeah, Ezra and the cat come along, and the hard boys disappear. Yeah, it's just Conway on the dock. Yes, and yeah, that's strange. Yeah, because you you learn later on that um, Shannon's asking Conway about it, and he's like, "Oh no, they were nice. You know, they're just." basically convincing him to come work there and saying how great it is to work there and and this kind of stuff yeah um but yeah and throughout this act as well i don't know if you guys picked up but there's a lot of references to how much the power company own <laughs> in this everything. area literally oh, yeah. everything yeah it start. we had a little bit of it in act three um when we found out that Harry had traded his debt to the hard boys mm-hmm. um, and he'd made a deal with them. And there was talking, there was talk of the power company being involved in, in things like that as well. And then you find out that loads of places on the echo are, have been essentially they, bought out by right. the power company. They owe some kind of debt are being bought out by in, the including company. the gas station that we first yes. stopped at yeah. is owned by the power company, but is fortunately not owned by the power. Co- it was a very confusing conversation. They bought a, a in like a share in the in mm-hmm. the gas station, but because the owner is has not died, but did die, but they don't no, know that if was he the died. that was the bar that was the wrong oh that was, place. That was the bar. But yeah, so basically what it was was there was a guy called Vernon. Vernon, yes. His the, the the deal was in his name and the idea was that there was a guy, I think his name was Patch, who worked on the bar. He was yeah, the barkeep. <laughs> yeah. And 
Patch, everyone thought Patch owned it, but it wasn't. It was actually this guy, Vernon. And unbeknownst to the power company, Vernon had died. And the deal was that the power company saved this pub, like saved this bar from being on the brink of bankruptcy with the, with the like bottom line being that when Vernon died, they could step in and take it as like, I've had control of this bar and unbeknownst to them, Vernon has died. I believe it was like nobody come forward to identify the body. So they didn't know it was Vernon. Yeah. So this, this bar is just still open now with patch essentially running it and the the power company fueling it and, and keeping it afloat. Did you actually go to the bar? Uh, no, I did not actually. I think this was the section you went to the bar. No, No, we we didn't didn't either. You didn't. I believe this is the section where you're playing as Ezra and you have to go and get Will because Kate needs him. And this is where you can record Will while he's asleep. He's listening to church pastor readings. I don't know what your sermons, is that what you call them? Yeah. 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 He's listening to a tape recording of a sermon. Um, is very yeah. strange. Oh no, I believe it's a university lecture because he's trying to learn stuff in his sleep. <laughs> but you can, yeah, you can record him as Ezra, um, and then he goes <laughs> off. And we forgot uh, another thing uh, in the. Oh my Jen, <laughs> I know there's so much information in this act. Uh, in the Jen and Mimi section, Will is sitting in the waiting room. Oh, that's uh, right. And they yes. change the camera they to look at Will, him. and they recognize him, and they can't figure out where for the longest time. And it, they, it, they finally find out that Will was uh, a, professor a professor of something or worked at the university that they both went to. Yes, because at first they thought he was the guy on public access that paid the banjo naked. Yes, yes but, yes. but he is not <laughs> that uh, Echo celebrity. He is another Echo celebrity who apparently hosted a science uh, supernatural channel of the public access television. But. Uh, yeah, I forgot how much a... happens in this episode. Yeah, guys, there's a lot. So much four, information, so... and none of it is connected to the questions that we have, unfortunately. I don't think any of our no. questions from before actually have more questions. Yeah, you're just like, oh, yes. Charlie was dating this person. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, so now we, we leave uh, the bar or the boat outside the bar, mm-hmm. and we make our way to... I believe it's the Bat Century. Um, and the Bat Century is connected to uh, Dashiell, who we needed to get in contact well, with. Between that, you go mushroom hunting with Ezra and Kate. Oh, see, I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah we, uh, we went off the boat and went... Uh, so you stop, you stop at a small island with a bunch of trees on it, and there's an option to go mushroom hunting with, with Ezra and Kate. And you get off, and there's this entire experience of these juniper trees and all these mushrooms and kate talks about like oh we need to go hunting for mushrooms and like don't they use the dog isn't a dog a mushroom hunting kate's dog yeah they take kate's dog with them can sniff out mushrooms or something there wasn't any dog that i remember but it's possible um oh and then kate kate goes on this whole monologue about death caps and they kill people uh and then we go off and there's it's very interesting because this is the first time it has a split uh text box so you're playing through both the perspectives of uh kate and ezra at the same, the same time. time uh and you have to select both of the texts so you have to like scroll back and forth between the two characters and tell them what to do yeah it's like this uh, it's, it's like this large like diagonal like i don't know 
square and it's split down the middle and it has both the dialogue options happening happening simultaneously and then you have to go between the two and read both of them as they're going through yeah it was very complicated uh yeah i completely missed all of this yeah there's also a story so you're playing in the moment but there's also a previous story for both of them being read out at the same time so you're you're learning about their past and selecting options for them while it's both happening at the same time and you have to try to keep like context of what's going on in each one it was it was very uh, it was a lot to this, read this would be what you was talking about when you said that you learned about ezra's uh situation yeah yeah, yeah. he talks a little bit about it on with kate here. yeah he talks about julian and he talks about being left at the bus station and that he misses his parents and he's concerned you know where they are and he just wants to you know he wants to find his family and then kate is like you know family is relative to the people you're around um, and then they locate mushrooms and it, like you can, there's a bunch of different mushrooms you can find. So the dialogue doesn't really matter about what they say about the mushrooms, but then you load them all into a bag and go through this conversation where I'm pretty sure we find some magic mushrooms. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> Descriptions like makes you feel like you're blasting off into space and like, well, that, doesn't <laughs> sound, that doesn't sound too bad. And then uh, you get back on the boat. So is there anything that j- that Ezra discussed that we didn't know. I'm sure. Probably. <laughs> but it's it's nothing that's like gonna stand out. No. I think he said right, something okay. about, about his father kind of generally just like talking about him, but it's the the stories are very fragmented. They're not very specific. It's just kind of like a moment in time that you're reading about and then also while hunting for mushrooms. So. And I mean, we get a little bit of motivation from Ezra too. I mean, for the most part, he's been traveling with us just to, you know, be with us. He helped us out with uh, getting to and from, you know, uh, Dr. Truman's house with Julian. But in this, we found out, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look for my family. Like before he was just moving houses from the museum to the forest and back and forth. But now he's out looking for his family. Yeah. That's pretty much it. That's crazy. This 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 episode is so strange because so much <laughs> happens, but it doesn't actually happen. Answer it doesn't anything. Mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Um, but you have to remember in case it comes up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's that's the worst part. Is there's so much detail in in all these conversations, and you have to remember it to make sure that it's not important for something else. Um, but this next section is important. Yes. Uh, and the biggest, I would say, surprise of Act 4 happens in the Bat Sanctuary. Um, so Shannon and Conway uh, offload into a small boat, and you talk to... Well, you read a sign, actually. Yeah. Actually, even before that, there's a giant memorial to the dead miners who died in the mine that Conway and Shannon met at, at the mm-hmm. beginning of the game. Right. And there's all these floating helmets, and they're the memorials to these, I believe it's 24 miners that died in the accident. Mm -hmm. And you read this whole, like, oh, the electric company, try to take this and see what happens. Like, try to take this down, try to hide this and see what happens. We'll come after you. Um, Yeah. uh, Giving us the idea that maybe the electric company has some... uh, Some enemies. Some enemies. Shocker. Uh, And then you talk about, Shannon and Conway discuss the purpose of a memorial. And, or at least that was kind of the conversation we had of like you know what is what is the purpose of this and it you know conway says the electric company should have done a better job because it's you know a memorial is saying we messed up and this is an acknowledgement of that right um 
Yeah, because they are to blame, aren't they? Because they're the ones yeah. who who introduced all of these this system of of purchasing air and canaries and all of this. Yeah, um, that we learned about in episode one, and I mean, I, it sounds horrible to say, but it's a bit of a shambles of a memorial. It's like <laughs> it really is <laughs> a, a wooden structure with some helmets oh, that have yeah. like fallen off and floating in the water nearby. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sad. Uh, and then you enter the bat sanctuary, yeah, which is an even stranger experience. Uh, so you're in this rickety dinghy, and you also have control of your flashlight. Flashlight, and those are the only two controls you have. Uh, and you are making your way through this bat sanctuary, which has different uh little info panels that you can little, read. Little boards, yeah. So like a traditional museum setup, I guess, or zoo um and it talks about the bats and that this is an entire uh man-made bat sanctuary that has specially developed all their food and their life so that they can survive because these are lopsided brown bats that uh survive in these caves and they would die if we didn't protect them yeah it's it's strange like the power company involved in this as well of course they are um and (laughs) They they feed the bats artificial moths. Oh yeah, but, like but so that it doesn't. Created. Yeah, so it doesn't offset the ecosystem. They catch the real life moths, um, because otherwise the moth population would grow and would upset right. the food chain. Um, and they were like, "Don't worry, we put the moths to good use." I can't remember what the use is. I think it's involved in whiskey, you know. Um, of course it is. <laughs> Yeah, the, and, well, the moths the moths clump together and they are like algae food or something like that. That's there's correct. Another, yeah, there's yeah. another section later on where we learn more about the moths and their purpose. <laughs> but, oh, it's man. just crazy. It's just crazy. Um, and yeah, there's there's talk of how you uh, you have to be careful. You don't introduce this virus into the bat colony. The, the white nose. Uh, yes, that's virus. it. Yeah, white nose something. Something. Um, yeah. And the idea is that essentially it was spread from bat to bat and, and kill these bats that have been saved yeah, in this it's, sanctuary. It's compared to colony collapse in bees, that's what they say. They're like, you have to make sure it doesn't because it'll just kill all the bats. And you make sure you, if you get out of your boat, to take off all your jewelry and clothing and, clothing and shoes yeah. and <laughs> like, like hair pieces or which, something like that to make sure you don't introduce anything. Which Shannon doesn't do when she leaves her boat. No, she doesn't. She bats. does not, no. Uh, and then you continue going through this bat sanctuary as these bats fly around you aggressive, more and more aggressively until you turn off was, your light, and then it kind of yeah. Resets. I was like, wasn't there something that said to like you know be careful with your light or something like? Uh, I think Shannon mentions it. Yeah. Well, there's also fun bat facts uh, scattered throughout the bat adventure that you have, where you can read fun bat facts, uh, and I believe that's one of the fun bat facts is yeah. that they're it's attracted to light. And uh, you have control over your lights. So you can turn it on and off as you're going down this little bat sanctuary. Eventually, you get to the end. I mean, there's really nothing you to be learned from the bat sanctuary no. other than the ecological uh, experience of these bats. But eventually, you get to the end, and it says, like, the last fun bat fact is, like, make sure you don't have any bats that are, like, snuck onto your boat or into your clothes in, in the time that you've been going through the bat sanctuary, uh, which they don't really check. They just kind of get out at the end. And just Shan has like pockets full of bats <laughs> as she's leaving the boat. Flapping out. And then you end up in what looks like a subway tunnel. Yeah. But is it a train is a subway station. subway tunnel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and who's like, there at the end of the bat sanctuary 
But Dashiel, 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 yes, a very strange old man. Yeah, he's sitting at a desk working on a phone issue where the old phones don't have the power to cause the ringer to go off. So he's been working on a workaround to try to get, yeah, to try to get the ringer to work with the lower power output that it has now. which, you know, that's a good... But we also learned that he's solving this problem not because someone asked him to, but because he decided that this was his job and that he had been let go at another job because we learned that about WVP, but he'd also yeah. been let go by the telephone company, uh, but he just comes and works on it every day, which... Yeah. Did you... Dash, I'm you interested, know? actually. Did you guys see the little girl on the other side? I did. I did see her, yeah. There was like a book yeah. bookcase or something over there and she was standing on the opposite side. Yeah, there was that's Flora who was um yeah. the girl that you saw in the car park of, mm. of episode three with Ezra. And you can wow. talk to her as Shannon and uh she says about how she loves coming down here and she, she again references that she's a romantic, which is strange because she's like a twelve year old girl. Is is Ezra with you? <laughs> um and yeah, and that's it. That their conversation doesn't really accumulate to much, other than yeah. I'm a romantic. With um, most of the conversations in Act yeah. Four, it doesn't accumulate to much. And I mean, no, after, it doesn't. Have you talked to Dashiel? And you're kind of walking down the, the this left path as Shannon. The boat will come into frame, and you'll see uh, these three skeletons sitting in the. Well, you see. So as you're going through the the sanctuary, you'll see the skeletons pass behind you, right. like following your path with Conway. Like silhouetted, yeah, uh, past the camera. And first of all, you forgot the most important thing we found down here, which is a lovely story about carrier pigeons. Oh, who? Right. Uh, so there's these two enormous gold statues of carrier pigeons in this How could I forget? train station. And these carrier pigeons were the initial way that they would deliver information down in the Echo. But eventually, because of the phone company, they became obsolete. But they didn't want to, you know, get rid of these wonderful carrier pigeons. So they just let them continuing delivering things uh, pointlessly to people. And eventually people would come down here and they'd give them like love notes and love letters or poems that they could just go deliver out into the world. Uh, And these two beautiful little pigeons would live in the bookcase uh, as their permanent residence until they died. And then they erected these enormous gold statues for them. Um, yeah. Adorable. That's a true we'll love story. Pit- true, true love true. story. That's still a better story than Twilight. 100%. <laughs> uh, you continue down this train station, and eventually you get to the switchboard, uh, where there is only one employee left. That's right. She said there used to be 12 or something to the last one. Yeah, did we mention that you passed? We did mention you passed skeletons in the bank in the in the bat century, didn't you? I yeah, just now. Yeah, sort of. Yes. Yeah, you. Yeah, you passed them. They go past you as you're going towards the end. They're coming the other direction, and they sort of stare at Conway as they as they drift past. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then you're introduced to the switchboard operator, and you learn that once again. The, the power company is involved in the downfall of of a company. Yeah. So she tells a story that there was, she has been a switchboard operator for a very long time. And at one point there was up to 13 employees working yeah, down 12, at the switchboards. Yeah. 
uh, and then the power company bought the phone company and then started mm-hmm. slowly laying off uh, different people. Right. And then they told her that they're going to replace her with an automated system. Oh, you're right. This uh, is really and they, they tried to do it and they couldn't get it to work. Uh, it was too, the new, oh, the switches, whatever they were called, mm-hmm. they were too quick and they would throw everything off. So they said that they needed to study how a human being would switch the different calls so that they could time it perfectly because the timings were off. And so they told her that they're going to put a machine down here that will observe her and observe the amount of time it takes her to switch each call and plug everything in. And she then is like, yeah, this is happening. And then Shannon is pretty much like, that's crazy. They're lying to you. Like, this is obviously not a thing. And she goes, oh, yeah, you're probably right. Like, maybe I'm the machine. Maybe yeah. it's cheaper to pay me to be down here to have a machine than do to it. actually have a, you know, a machine do it. Automated system. And she's like, I'd like to remind you I'm doing the work of 16 people. Um, which, you know, that's awful. But. Yeah. I mean, as, as someone who, who spent a fair couple of years working in retail, uh, hospitality industry, uh, I can confirm that it does feel like that sometimes. <laughs> I worked, I worked for a company, uh, who I, I won't name a supermarket chain, uh, in the UK and across Europe. And, uh, they are notorious for, their food is very cheap, but the way that they do that is by deliberately working short on staff. So say you need six people, you'll have four people per shift, and you're just expected to work faster. Wow. Um, yeah, it was to the point where we had um, we had a record of how many items we scanned per minute, and we had a target that we had to meet, and if we didn't meet that target, it was like a, a performance meeting of, of why we wasn't scanning items on the till fast enough. It's crazy. I used to work at a Bed Bath and Beyond, and it was it was nice. That explains why Bed Bath and Beyond is failing, by the way. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> capitalism. Um, unfortunately, yes. I think that's a that's a reoccurring story and not an isolated right. incident. I mean, you can look no, at Amazon's no. in the news all the time for similar uh, accusations of their employees not yeah. working. Um, but yeah. I need that is so. I was going to say that is something that. Earlier on, I can't remember where it was, but there was a reference to the fact that um, the the power company had to take on a business as punishment for basically forming a monopoly in the Echo. Oh, there was something. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, you know, your punishment is that you have to save this foul." I mean, they're a monopoly, and you're going to give them another business. Like that just doesn't make sense. (laughs) It's punishment, yeah. Yeah, Um, But yeah, it kind of. In a weird way, that's that's the overarching theme of this episode: is that this power company has a monopoly just owns here. Everything. Hey, yeah, there's a dying antique owns. shop that would love to get bought out, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not on the Echo. That's true. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, she she also goes into the fact that they changed the mm. name of this area in which she's forced to work to the underground switch room thirty, something like that. Mm-hmm. anyway it doesn't yeah, matter uh but if you don't get the number to the um to the secret board of tourism earlier in the game uh this is the switchboard that you call at the beginning of the opening to uh act four or in yes. the in the 
something along the echo or whatever it's called here and there along the echo so much information in my brain i know it's absolutely <laughs> oh. mind-boggling oh, okay. but the most important thing that happens in this subway tunnel yes. is after you have this conversation the boat the dinghy comes into frame and yeah they're the two skeletons are there but that's also they're also accompanied by a third, third skeleton and that those skeletons just drift off into the subway. Yeah, there's just a hole at the end of the subway <laughs> tunnel, and you just go down this yep. this ending darkness, and it's and, just Shannon left there. Yep. Wait! Oh my god, we forgot a whole conversation with Shannon and Conway. Okay, there's an important conversation that happens between Shannon and Conway, and it's Conway's realizing that this is kind of the end of the road for him, and he tells Shannon, hey, I want you to have oh, my that's truck. Right. That's right, that's right. Oh that's god, right. yes. And, and you can, <laughs> and Shannon, you all of the options that Shannon puts forward are kind of like hesitant, there's definitely ones that are more aggressive and ones that are less aggressive. The one we chose was we'll look after it until you get back. Like that's what we yes, chose. That's what I went with. Yeah. Um, I wanted to remain optimistic that this wasn't the end for Conway. I was yeah, like, no, we'll, and, we'll sort this out for him somehow. And so, so Conway goes like, you know, I have to pay off this debt. And like the, the truck is, she, he goes on this whole story that the truck was given to him um, by the, by Lizette, Lizette but yeah. it was her husband's truck right and he right. never liked conway and so he always felt like the truck was like this thing that was always watching him this burden, this burden that it was given to him because he never the Lizette's husband never liked him and so now he's giving it to to shannon he's passing on his burdens of this life so that he can go into the next one unburdened and that's when he right. makes the transformation into this full hard boy uh to to float down the river sticks let's say and as, as far as we know that's it for conway wait yeah, do so we Shan- knows. yeah hang on i'm trying to work this out there were f- was there three hard boys in the boat when they passed no, us or was there two there's only, only there two. was only two the third one was conway. okay yeah the third one is conway shit yeah yeah <laughs> makes the full transformation yep uh and then shannon makes it back onto the boat mm-hmm. And pretty much tells people like, "Hey, Conway's uh, Conway's gone." Yeah. Uh, and and really, no one's like, "What happened?" They're like, "Okay." Yeah. Like that is not satisfying. <laughs> I need to know yeah. what happened. Yeah, they're they're very much like you know, it's almost like they made their peace with it beforehand. I mean, to be fair, most of these people, you know, Johnny and Junebug, and I mean, it's a terrible yeah, thing to happen, yeah. but they're not really attached to to Conway. Right. And Will and Tate had just met him. Yeah. I mean, this all happens within a day. Right. So that's the crazy thing is that this has only been a period of like 24 hours at the at the most. So. Oh, yes. See, and you get back on the musky mammoth. Yeah. You do. And I believe is now the... is concert. Yeah. Yep. So you, we'll you ch- float. No, sorry. I was going to say, but I think we took different approaches to this. But But go on. Because you get two options. Next isn't the concert. Next is Ida and it's a restaurant. I thought the concert was before that. Yeah, we end with the restaurant. That's where the the act ends, is with the restaurant. No, it's not. You go to the restaurant and then you go to the concert and then you go continuing on. Brain. Anyway, okay. Let's sure. talk, let's let's talk the about the concert first. Yeah. Okay, let's do yes. it. <laughs> Regardless of what, what order it came in, we'll talk uh, about it. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything uh, going forward. Literally. Uh, this is Carla, and she is standing. We, we, we dock somewhere, and she's standing on top of the ferry playing her theremin. theremin. And 
with its beautiful sounds that it makes. Mm. And if you haven't heard of a theremin, imagine a 1960s horror film and the music <laughs> that accompanies that, and that's it. It's just I mean, a even wailing... Better, just, just go onto YouTube and look up the original Star Trek intro, and that was played okay. on a theremin. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. But essentially, the, what, the takeaway from all of this is this is where Johnny and Junebug have the serious kind of talk of like, should we bring Ezra into our group? You know, he doesn't have any family. He just has Julian. Should he travel along with us now? See, yes. I didn't have this. Oh, interesting. Because I'm, yeah. I'm assuming you took the decision to watch the concert. Yeah, we watched the concert. Yeah, this is why I took... I, this is... This is why I know this happens after, because the reason we were prompted is we went to the restaurant and remember doing the claw machine right. and it was Johnny right, and Ezra right, doing the claw right, machine. Right, right. So good. the restaurant, restaurant. Uh, Sam. Sam and Ida's. Sam and Ida's. Great job. Uh, you start as <laughs> Shannon uh, and you walk up. So the restaurant is on like stilts. Is it's, that a word? It's on a floating platform, but it's also like it's raised very high. Up. Yeah, there's a couple really yeah. levels of like, like Almost like the water level changes, so they kind of need to like adjust for that. Like That's what I thought of it as. Like those beach homes, they put on big stilts. No, you're shaking your head? No? Oh, okay. Alright, whatever. <laughs> anyway, you walk up the stairs to get to the main dining area of Salmonitas, and uh, sitting there is everyone on the boat. Right. You got, you, you got Kate, you got Will, Junebug, Clara, and then in the corner is uh, what looks like a video game, but it's actually a claw machine. And Johnny and Ezra are enthralled with whatever is going over there. And Shannon walks over to the table. She explains that unfortunately Conway is passed, has, has, has moved on to uh, to a new journey, um, and that he will not be joining them for the rest of the adventure. And they tell her, as far as we know, wow. Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, maybe you should order some food because because we just ate. And we're at the end of our meal, but we're ordering to go. So uh, right. if you'd like to order something. Right. There's like a long menu list that you can go through. We yes, went through because, like eight pages of this, by the way. Yeah, because yeah, Carla isn't there. They were ordering yes, right. takeaway for Carla. I right. think she was on the boat napping or something. Or preparing. She was preparing for the hand exercises for that theremin. Uh, yeah, whatever you do to prepare for a theremin uh, concert. Uh, but yeah, you, you have a choice of, of what you will order. Um, Remember what we ordered? I can't remember. Mine oh, was yeah, like I, I, some I, sort of crab or something. We ordered Thursdays. Oh, Thursday shrimp. Thursday shrimp. Yep. We we went through. Option. He said eight pages. We went through at least like fifteen pages. <laughs> like I wanted to get to a point where it was like because because you're ordering for someone, which is the confusing part. Right. Because they say someone they want they want primordial. Them. They want something primordial. Right. That's what the request is. And so I was waiting for like velociraptor soup or <laughs> something that was primordial but we, you know we kind of gave up on the 15th page Sad i was like fine thursday shrimp is, is good enough <laughs> i think i went with something that was like it was like deep sea something because i was well, like yeah that it, sounds primordial i wonder if there's some like sense of procedural generation in there because it seems like there's like a handful of words in this bag and it like recycles through them and puts yeah. them in different formats as you continue through these pages apparently it's endless or we're just lazy. One of those two. 15 pages isn't lazy? I, like mean, I, went, I went to the page. second page and I was like, you're fucked. Oh, so you're I know this is going to carry on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, uh, but yeah, after you order uh, the food and you've, you've told everyone at the table about Conway, you go around the corner to Ezra and Johnny to, you know, kind of break the information. To them. Or just say hi. Or just say hi. Uh, Ezra doesn't seem to really care and just asks Shannon if he has a quarter to continue playing the claw machine. Uh, Shannon does, gives him the quarter. 
Um, and then now you're playing as Ezra and Johnny kind of playing this claw machine and you can get, decide what you want to grab from the claw machine. And then you have to give directions to Ezra to, to guide the claw to the uh, yes. item. You your like your options are cowboy hat. Oh God. an octopus, a cowboy hat, a bag of clams. And some headphones. And some headphones, but you're not sure where the cord is for them. Right. Yeah, I each, went for each the of headphones. them is precariously placed. We went for the cowboy we hat. We went with the cowboy hat. The, the, the thing with the cowboy the hat back was, right. it was in the back right corner, and we might not be able to get the claw back there. That was the caveat with our op- But all of them had a little caveat. Yeah, all of them. The, the octopus was wrapped around a boombox, so you're not sure if, if maybe it was pinned. Uh, the bag of clams, you're not sure if it was too slippery for the claw to grab a bag of clams. Something's unsettling about a slippery bag of clams. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Um, okay. We did not get the cowboy hat. Did no. you get the headphones? I did not get the headphones, no. Uh, life, is a, life is a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this poll's weird, though, because it's like you, you get a countdown of 15. And right. It's eight. Get... Oh, no, it's eight. Sorry, it is eight. Apologies. <laughs> I was like, I'm jealous. <laughs> No, it's, it's A, and um, you get the chance of, like, you know, where do you want to move the stick up to the right? Um, and every option you pick gets rid of a second on this tile. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, instead of, like, seconds, it's almost like turns. Like, you have yeah. turns to get to this object and grab it. Um, yeah, we, and you can ask... Have... Continue. Sorry. I'm sorry, as I say, you can ask Johnny um, how you're doing, because Johnny says he has a different perspective, and right. he'll say to you, like, you're too far to the left, you're too high, you need to come down, like... Um, and you can essentially use him to ensure that that you get it, yeah. um, but you don't get it because it's a claw machine, and you know PSA they're rigged to earn money. <laughs> um, so so I, don't, I don't know what they're, the street value of a bag of clams is. So. <laughs> there goes our claw machine sponsorship. I know, jeez. <laughs> uh yeah we asked johnny and he's like looks good to me and yeah. then uh, we went to grab the hat and it, it didn't pull the hat up showing the light was full i was really suit. disappointed because i thought ezra would look phenomenal in his uh suit little full hat. suit and a cowboy hat but what do i know he wouldn't he'd look like that yodel kid from fucking walmart <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly uh. <sighs> we didn't get the hat and then johnny is like hey man life's Life doesn't work out sometimes. <laughs> Life's a bitch. <laughs> Life's like a bag of slippery clams. <laughs> Life's like a bag of slippery clams. And he's like, all right, you didn't get the hat. I thought you'd look good in it, but it doesn't matter. We'll all move on. And then uh, Johnny and Junebug have a conversation about Ezra briefly. About like, hey, maybe it'd be cool if we had someone come along with us. And Junebug's like, we're just us. And we've always been us. And we grew up together she says something along the lines of we were just shadows we're just gray shadows and we she said something about as well about how um she was like we live together uh we move we swap parts yeah that's what she said we swapped parts which cool androids yeah yeah androids Um, man yeah but junebug seems i wouldn't say she's she's not on board with with having Ezra, she's very hesitant about yeah, she's just hesitant. changing the dynamic of their group. Right. right. Yeah. She, um, she she comes around a little bit come the the, the next part, which we'll talk about. Since it seems like you didn't experience that, Ben. Yeah. No. Because I, I, I chose the other option. So. Right. Right. So. Um, so yeah. I believe after this, yeah, we do head to the next stop, which is the concert. Well, hang on. We there's keep... there's there's a very oh. strange thing that happens. You get to play as Sam. 
Yeah, so you're introduced to Ida. Ida is the the woman who's taking your order, and uh, you discuss the fact that one of the tables seemingly has fake food on it. Oh yeah, it's like all uh, well, it's it's not fake. It's food. real food. No, it's it's real food that's been shellacked. What uh, is shellac? So shellac, fun fact, is a uh, a resin that is pooped out by a bug. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is real. Uh, shellac is is a resin that is pooped out by a certain bug whose name is escaping me right now. But it's it's almost like a plasticky resin because the bug lives in these trees. It processes it. Uh, and back in the 1920s, it's what they made records out of. So there's something called shellac records, which are these uh, early phonographs that were made by this bug resin. Um, but it also became shellac became something they used in a bunch of different processes. So it's just this like plastic like resin that comes from this insect. Um, yeah, fun fact. We've had a lot, we've had a lot of fun facts with Kai in this episode. <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> it's um it's used to preserve this table of food. Right. Um, and the relevance of the and, table of food. Yeah, so you you find out that um, Salmonidas was was failing a little bit, and um, that you know Ida tells you that Sam managed to find some amazing delicacies that that essentially saved the restaurant. Um, yeah. and I believe she talks about. She talks about two divers that came and they were there for hours eating and they kept ordering food and ordering food. And <laughs> originally it was frozen food that they were frying. And Sam said to her, like, you need to get creative. These guys are ordering food. Just whatever you've got, cook it to the best you can and get it out there. Yeah. Um, and then later on, after all of this, you play as Sam, who has come back with a, a single fish. A new um, fish that you get to discovered. name. What did you name yeah. your fish? I named my fish spaghetti fish. Oh, we named it the serpentine eel. Spaghetti See, that's much fish, cooler. The, the spaghetti fish is a cool throwback to uh, Conway spaghetti legs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Sam tells the story a little bit differently. Yeah, from yes. his perspective. He says he's trying to save the restaurant. Uh, and so he just, the two brothers, he finds out that these two were divers, but they were also brothers he assumed and they had a rivalry and they wouldn't have noticed and he just kept bringing food out to them so that he could save the restaurant because the restaurant was in bad financial uh standing and so he just kept bringing them food and they actually only ended up paying half of the bill because they were like we didn't order all this food why did you keep bringing it to us but they were talking about all their dive stories that they went on and that was their competition that's essentially like how uh, Sam learned to traverse diving is from the stories that they had told. And it's also the reason he shellacked the the food. It's because now he can look at it and he can remember what they were eating when they told certain stories. And that's how he remembers where to go diving. A wild memory. So both of, both of them use it to reference because Ida uses it to create when she needs bursts of creativity. She looks at it and she can remember these dishes that she made. And he uses it to remember where he's supposed to be diving. But they both have a different under... Well, he lied to her pretty much because he kept saying that they were ordering food, but <laughs> he was just bringing them food. Um, but they both have a different right. understanding of why they preserved this uh, this meal. But if I remember yeah. correctly, it was that that kind of like was allowed the restaurant to take off and be more. Yeah, successful. it saved the restaurant. Yes, yeah, yeah, because Sam started to dive these spots and and find these good foods, and it brought a lot of people to Sam and Ida's. Yeah. And I definitely think Sam's going to die because <laughs> there's a point where he's talking about like, oh, I keep going to these places. And he's like, one day I'm worried that one of the brothers was just a little too exaggerative with, you know, right. maybe he felt like he lost his footing and just made up a story. And one day I'm going to go try to look for a refrigerator 
full of blind shrimp and it's just going to be a spire that <laughs> impales shrimp. me um which is very possible you've had blind shrimp jared I, you know what i haven't i haven't they're, had blind they're, shrimp. they're delicious they're a delicacy uh, <laughs> gotta have that blind shrimp you gotta, you know. um so yeah that was that, that was part of part of this section we're almost yes. done though guys we're almost at the, and then the you get to the concert then you get to the concert now okay i'm finally talking about the concert so you're at the concert you pull up to one of these other floating platforms this sounds like a fever dream really like does. i'm gonna listen back to this and be like oh my god you pull up to one of the, <laughs> the platforms and uh the rest of the gang and the crew is standing on the platform and carla is standing atop the ferry with this big spotlight on her and her theremin and she begins to play like you said being a star trek horror movie sounds it's awful it it's a theremin it doesn't sound there's great. a reason that there's not people who are playing theremins and popular music today <laughs> but that, that is almost kind of the background noise to the bigger conversation that's happening between uh um, johnny and junebug as they talk about ezra uh you, you kind of referenced before that well know, it starts with the conversation about right. the first time that they saw clara Kara. Yeah, because they've, they've seen her play before. Play, and they're like, oh, I remember this song. We saw yeah. it at, what is that again? And then they go in this whole conversation about the venue, right. and then what you were what they were doing at the venue, and mm. we decided they were talking in a secret code by tapping their wrists, and they were telling jokes to each other. So those are the options we chose. There's like a couple different options. They're like, they could blink at each other, they could speak in subsonic chirps. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> those are options. I, I forgot that was a thing. And speaking in sub, what, what did you is, what did you choose for them? He said he didn't get this option. Oh, I didn't know because my my option was that you basically you had the, the option of either Ezra watches them or Ezra takes part in the performance. Mm. And so I chose to take part in the performance. And what you do is basically what Clara says is Clara says to you use the tapes that you recorded to play sounds. She's like, manipulate them however you want to. So you can choose, you go on there, it's like you choose between, uh, I had the cat, I had sleep in, I had the ocean and something else. These were the four fins that I recorded as Ezra. And you basically, you say that you either play it or you play it by adjusting the volume or you play it backwards. Um, and then Clara will play the pheromone. So, for me, I watched this performance and I didn't have any of this exchange between Junebug and Johnny at all. It's so weird. Now, did your sounds actually come up in the performance? Like, did it change the how it sounds? Very vaguely, it? yeah, very okay. vaguely. But you know, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it had a an amazing effect because I would imagine that I would imagine it's pre-programmed in a way, well, you know. Yeah. So, like, if you select sleep in backwards, it knows what sound to play because. The idea was that Clara was working off of the sounds I was giving her. So I was playing the cat backwards and she was playing the pheromone in conjunction to the sound of the sounds I was giving her. Of course. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, with with Junebug and Johnny, they said they have that conversation of them reminiscing about them seeing Carla before. And then they talk about they the said, demo tape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Junebug reveals to Johnny that she received a copy of their latest uh, their... record in a demo tape and that it sounds very good. And Johnny's she's very upset about that. Well, briefly. Because he didn't. He's like, it. You listened to it without me? And she was like, You were playing with the kid in the claw machine. And he was like, Oh, okay. 
And then she's like, yeah, it sounds, it sounds really good. Like, I'm really excited. Like, I think this is some of our best work. She's like, the one thing I don't know is how we're going to perform it. That's right. She's like, it's it's hard enough for me to already do the dancing and the singing and work the drum machine and work the drum machine. And you're playing the guitar. So you can't work with the drum machine. And Johnny's like, yeah, like, I don't know how we're going to deal with this. And she's like, well, maybe, you know, we can find someone. And he's like, yeah, but like, who, who are we going to find? Who, who, who could we possibly bring on to this team? <laughs> and she's like, maybe we could find someone who could play the drum machine. And he's like, yeah, I'm hearing you. Like, I hear you, but who? And she's like, someone. And then he finally gets that. She's talking about Ezra. And he's like, oh, yeah, we could totally get Ezra to play the to play the drum machine. And she says, "Do you think you could teach him how to play the drum machine?" And he's like, "I could teach it. I could teach a dog how to play a drum machine." Yeah. And that's where it ends. This is very adorable conversation between yeah. Junebug and Johnny about bringing Ezra on as their new drum machine operator yeah. for their. Uh, Just see him up there and like Johnny and Junebug like change out this, like <laughs> this very magical like outfit, and and uh, Ezra's still up there in his little <laughs> his little, little boy suit. suit on this drum machine. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, I like the idea of Ezra tagging along with them. Yeah, yeah. he's kind of, I'm, he's, I mean, besides Julian, he seems like he's pretty alone and he's kind of, you know, joined our little game here. So it'd be cool to see them travel together. I mean, plus they'll never be late. They got a giant fucking bird, so yeah. I mean, they can I, travel anywhere. I really want at the end of this to have like a like a like a '90s sitcom or something at the end, where <laughs> it was like afterwards, Ezra joined along Johnny and Jumbo. They traveled. I want that kind of ending for this game. Lame yeah, like a freeze-frame close-up of their face. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Johnny went on to form his own <laughs> band as a side project. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. Um, we finished the concert, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I have little memory of <laughs> this act, but this is this is where it wraps up at the end. Uh, we get to kind of... You go back on the boat. Yeah, we go back on the boat, and then it's... We're, looking above from like this large tunnel almost looking mm-hmm. down at the truck and the gang there and essentially they have now taken on conway's role of doing this last delivery for lizette's antiques to five dogwood drive and they've all kind of decided that like yeah we'll, we'll tag along like, you, well that's what shannon says she's right. like i'm gonna finish this and, they all and they're like mm-hmm. why and she's like because he's my friend and this was his last thing he needed to do and he won't be able to do it so i'm gonna do it Uh, and and it's this large spiral pathway uh and they're like well how are we going to get the truck up this and they decide there's no way they're going to get the truck up this so they're going to unload the antiques from the back uh and they look at the manifest for the antique goods and all that's listed are numbers which they assume are related to some form of like barcode or system that the antique shop uses and they're like well i guess we're going to carry them so they all mm-hmm. walk to the back of the truck and it zooms out into this massive spiral pathway. That's leading upward. It leads upward to somewhere. And that is the end of Act 4. It's the end of Act 4. We had a... Oh, no, I, so I think the, the only thing that is worth mentioning is that Will and Car and Will and Kate don't come with us. Correct. Right. Yeah. They, they continue on the ferry um, yes. and... Clara says, "Like I've always been one for an adventure. I'm gonna yeah. come along." And Junebug <laughs> yeah, and Johnny, join yeah, Clara joins us, and Junebug and Johnny. Well, actually, tell her like Junebug offers to to bear the load and says that Johnny can help her as well. Yeah. Well, originally, is it Clara or Cara? I don't remember. It's Carla. Clara. Carla. 
C-L-A-R-A. Clara. Clara. Okay. Clara was, because we were originally going to take the truck, and we tell Clara, oh, we can drop you off after we make this delivery. We'll take you to Nashville. And Clara's like, oh, sweet. I'm down for an adventure. And And then it turns out we can't take the truck, and we're like, sorry, Clara. And she's like, it's it's (laughs) fine. I wasn't expecting anything anyway. I'll help you make your delivery. Fucking lies. (laughs) (laughs) And that that is the end of Act 4. Um. Wow. See now, I'm so I'm much. curious, right? Yeah. You were saying Kai has a theory. I wonder if Kai's theory is the same as my theory. Is your theory relating to the whole? No. You remember your theory? Okay, interesting. Earlier? No, I don't at all. So Kai's theory was that and this is the what we kind of came up with this together was that uh, the five dog would drive. Oh, I do remember this. Actually, going to we're going to get there, and Conway's going to be there, and it was actually he gave himself this address from the future to the past self and we're delivering something of importance to him and he's going to be at the residence of five dogwood drive that was my theory yeah it sounds crazy (laughs) it doesn't sound crazy with what we just discussed (laughs) that's fair i'd be i'd be more interested if it was emily bob and ben oh yeah oh yeah who knows (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who knows? But my theory was that the because that when it ends, it pans up and there's like a, a hole in the ground almost with a spiral staircase going up. Mm-hmm. And What's so I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering if this is the hole that Donald Joseph and Lula went down mm. before bed, bed quilt or wherever it is. Yeah, beforehand, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if if that was related to their journey at all. Maybe they. Yeah found this area and then it's been constructed and there's been a staircase put up it and but didn't but didn't we start out in the hall of the mountain king where we where that was like at least closely related to bed quilt like mm-hmm. that's how he got no, there no that was that was where donald ran away to that wasn't where bed quilt was that was where because lula went deeper and joseph went to the surface that's what i mean who knows who who who, who knows honestly who knows? Uh, i'm, I'm just also like to point out that bob ben and emily are two men and a woman and lula johnny and donald are two men and a woman and the parallels between those i'm assuming exist mm. so, maybe they're all I'm, I'm very nervous about the end of this game oh yeah there's so many questions that oh especially after act four i was like I so all right let's go into our opinions on act four let's go around and <laughs> give our hot takes our ideas i'll go first this week go for it um this act was the only way I can describe it is an organized hot mess. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it, but was also uh, confused the entire time. Um, I am left with more questions now than I had at the end of Act Three, and I'm a little bit apprehensive. I don't mind too much mystery at the end of the game. But I don't want tons of unanswered questions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, if I'm being honest, I feel like this was the weakest act of the game so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, just in terms of, you know, everything we've had so far has been so plot heavy and so like, yeah. you know, we've found out these massive key features. Like, what did we find out? We found out that surprise, the power company owns everything. Um, you know, Conway Conway fully transforming has been the biggest shock right, of the right. of the episode. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a very strange episode. Mm-hmm. 
in that it, it runs almost on its own tangent to the other three. Um, so yeah, very, very confusing. Yeah. All right, June. I guess I'll be next. Give us, um, give us your opinions. I, I agree with you, Ben. I think this is definitely the weakest act that we've done so far. Not that it didn't have its like moments of substance, you know, with Conway turning into the skeleton and, you know, even, even the little small things like Johnny and Junebug's conversations uh, about bringing Ezra in and the conversations we had with the strangers in the gas station, like all of those were, they were nice. They were, they were nice little like tidbits to, to have, but I think what you said, Ben, the other ones were so plot heavy. And so we're so kind of, even if, even if they were crazy, like most of this game, they were still had this, like we're on this main story. This, this act almost feels like we did a bunch of side quests. This act, we got a little, mm-hmm. some little bits of information here and there. We were on the echo. We went to these different places and mm-hmm. it was kind of like, we had these little stories that were told that kind of related back to the original story. And at the end of the echo, we were just like, now we're back onto our journey of continuing the main story, which, like I said, it had its moments, but I think like, yeah, it was definitely the weakest of, of all of them and probably the most confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this act is interesting. Um, it pivots your experience of this game from being from the perspective of Conway, which you view as the main character. Right. Uh, and then you turn to Shannon which is which is very hard to do narratively as like an experience because you are used to viewing it through the eyes of Conway and everything is happening around. He's the central character. And then suddenly you have no control over what happens to him. He becomes this drunk blob of a human who has accepted the fate that has, you know, been put upon him. And you're put in the eyes of Shannon, who then we learn a lot about her and her experience of weaver and trying to find her cousin who is at this community access station and exploring this whole new realm of the echo which you know not that we had any questions answered about the zero but is an even more confusing place of unlimited possibility um it it doesn't do a great job i agree with both of you in answering the questions that were put forth previously it does do a really good job i think in giving us a little more context to the other characters but because we're so used to viewing it through, you know, Conway's experience, it feels disjointed and it feels separate from the other three that we had just experienced, which I, I don't know if that was the purpose and if that is going to play a role into leading into Act 5 and kind of tying everything together. And even if it doesn't, like, it, it has been a wild experience traveling through, <laughs> through the Echo and having this adventure with all these people. But um, yeah, I, I would agree that this is one of the weaker sections in context to what we've played so far but maybe we we have hope of some understanding moving forward i will say i did not enjoy the uh the opening to this the along the echo i think they could have done a better job informing us about the history of the echo or or telling us a little bit more i mean i understand that part of this game is is not understanding and assuming that you won't understand everything but at the same time you know it's always it helps yeah go for it no, sorry, go on. No, I'm going to say it helps. It just helps, you know, the, the, the playing of the game if you understand a little bit more of the context of where you are, or at least in its comparison to the Zero, if you had a little information of, like, this is an off-branch of the Zero, or this is, you know... Because there's a specific conversation with Will where he says, I would never go into the Zero. This old mm-hmm. river rat will only stay on the Echo. 
And so it's like, why? What What is the reasoning there? Give me more information. What is it? What is it about the zero that makes people so apprehensive? Oh, and why are you here? You know, is the oh wow? Have you thought like maybe maybe the echo is called the echo because it's literally the echo of the zero because they have yeah maybe this, the same design, very similar in design when you yeah. yeah when you traverse them. Um, mm-hmm. The two things I was gonna say is that. Um, I wanted just to reiterate that even though I said this was the the weakest episode so far, I still enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I I feel like like you were saying with the um with the interstitial beforehand, what would have been nice is if they had. I mean, it's just a personal opinion, but like they could have used Will to introduce the Echo because that would have introduced Will as a character, but Will's always talking about these stories he's heard and, you know, all of this time he's spent traveling along the Echo. So maybe you could have even had a conversation, you know, below deck of the of the mammoth, of like between Kate and, and Will discussing the things that they've seen on their travels of the Echo and the, the stories they've heard. And then you could, that would have been a nice way of, introducing these two new characters who are you know yeah only here for one episode potentially but also of introducing the the setting of the of the act right so interestingly uh talking about your your fondness for names ben the lake that's connected to echo river lake is leth leth lethy i'm gonna call it the leith uh that is the name of the Greek spirit of forgetfulness and oblivion with whom the river was often identified. In classical Greek, the word leth means oblivion, forgetfulness, or concealment. Which is like Will. He kept like forgetting things that he did. There is Everything is purposeful in this game, which is wonderful, is but also deeply frustrating <laughs> from a perspective <laughs> of trying to understand it. It is, yeah, because you wouldn't... You know, it's only because of last act in act three because i googled lamentation to make sure i knew what it mm-hmm. meant that i started to google you know yeah, when it started talking about yeah, judah yeah. i was like well obviously judah's a biblical reference there was some of them there so then i was like well i wonder if i a biblical reference and it isn't mm-hmm. but it's a story set in poland which is where bloody carver's uncle was sent yeah. to and <laughs> it has some significance too yeah 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 um but i'm I'm excited and a little nervous for the last I'm act. I'm scared. Guys, I'm scared. Uh, we also looked up uh, the durations of these um, to see. Because oh, we, yeah. we wanted to make sure we'd actually get so. get through the acts for this episode. Um, and we learned that there is possibly a finale yes. that happens after, after the last act. act. Um, so, okay, okay. So maybe more I'm questions? assuming that's based on, on... Is it possible to miss that? I have no idea. We have no idea. Just, we looked, looked into nothing on, past that. We just yeah. wanted to know the the play yeah, times of course. Of the yeah, you don't want to. You don't, <laughs> don't want to spoil, spoil anything. Anyway. When I when I was originally looking up, like I went on howlongtobeat.com to see how long this game was, and it's since it was released segmented. All the episodes are are listed there by their playtime, all the acts really, uh, and it shows their times, but it shows a final after Act Five. So, mm. hmm. interesting. Okay, so, we'll have to find out. Well. Um, we're almost there. <clears throat> we are almost there. Something to consider, Kai, because mm. our interstitial is coming up. Da, da. Do we want to reveal the interstitial now to give people time? No, to... no, it's next okay. next week because I haven't decided, and that's, okay. <laughs> that's well, the only reason. <laughs> okay, sounds good. 
<laughs> I was planning on next week, and by planning, I'm a procrastinator, which means I was going to do it the day before Got we it. recorded. Got it. Sounds good. So next week, we'll find out, me and Ben, we'll find out what we're and, and all of you. And all of you guys. Together. Less Universal. Yeah. Less, less I'm nervous now. I kind of brought this up as a fleet and shower fault, and and you guys are all it, and now I'm scared. It won't fail. It'll be fine. I don't know how it would fail. We're just no. in the dark. Usually we have yeah. like usually we have like thorough discussions about what we're playing next, what we should play. But now it's all up to the person to decide, yes. and the other two people have to just go along with it. Which yes. means Ben's probably going to force Kai to play through Chrono Trigger at some no, point. No, that's not an interstitial game. That game's like 57 hours. That's why. <laughs> I think longer games can be an interstitial, and we'll just talk about our experience. I think that. we're going to vote you off of this podcast <laughs> if you bring ideas like that in here. Wait, yeah, hold in on. In one now. week, we play 57 hours of Chrono oh, Trigger. Play as much as you can. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll well that's there. better than playing the entire game, so <laughs> maybe, maybe that's my out. <laughs> Uh, okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you have what? <laughs> the depression and anxiety, it's this game <laughs> it makes me anxious. Okay, guys, yeah, it's, it's weird because this this act wasn't as long as the last act, but I feel like it was so much harder oh, to remember it, everything. It felt longer. Yeah, nothing was connected in that. That's you should, hard. if you see ever see my notes, which you won't. It's it's very <laughs> vague and, and very just all over the place. I just randomly Shannon goes them. into the video room. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye. Ciao. See you later, guys. Bye. <laughs>